0: You're rocking the the jet green right now, Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were Rich Eisen. The second will be, I see Brad Hirschberg. <laughs> Dennis Miller. The and-
1: autumn wind is caused <laughs> by global warming. <laughs>
0: uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmar I do love watching Tebow play. I mm-hmm. gotta say, he just he combines all oh, the fiery
2: leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and uh... I don't download. But when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen
0: Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. Pleased to be back in the podcast. You're getting set to go back to Indianapolis just a mere two and a half weeks after the confetti drops on Eli Manning, Tom Coughlin, and the New York Giants. The entire National Football League is back in Lucas Oil Stadium for the 2012 NFL Scouting Combine. The best of the best from the collegiate level trying to go ahead, make some serious coin with what they can do out on the field and on-field drills and in the meetings rooms at night as well to try and impress their future employers it's all in one neat package just for you the nfl fan as you're jonesing for the national football league we are back in the mix could not be more excited To go to Indianapolis and see what Andrew Luck looks like, see what RG3 looks like, see Justin Blackman. I've only seen him on Saturdays. I can't wait to see him in person. As you all know, we are there from Thursday night. NFL Total Access comes your way from Lucas Oil Stadium Thursday night of Combine Week. Friday as well, NFL Total Access will be there. And then on Saturday, I'm pleased to. Uh, begin my annual role of host of the on-field drills um, as we one by one go through all uh, nine of the groups of, uh, of top talent that are there at the NFL scouting combine, one after another after another. They'll get out there on the 40-yard dash line. They'll get there in the broad jump. They'll run the three-cone drill. Some of them will perform on-field drills. Some of them will not. Um, and it's all fun. We can't wait. And uh, I'm there. going to be there starting at 9 a.m. every single day, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday with various uh, analysts With uh, to my left. Um, uh, Mike Mayock will be there every single day. Charles Davis will be there every single day. Uh, Paul Burmeister is going to be out on the field. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting some other folks who will be there. Jamie Dukes will be part of the offensive line group. Same with Jeff Saturday. On Saturday, when the tight ends also get out there, they'll be with me. Then on Sunday is when the rest of the offensive players, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers will all be out on the field. It's a very long day. Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Michael Irvin will all be with me. On the scouting combine coverage of that Sunday. Then on Monday, with all the offensive players leaving town, the defense will have center stage. The defensive lineman interior also ends. The linebackers will be out on the field on that Monday as well. We'll see which guys can rush the passer, which guys can also drop back in coverage. We'll see who the the defensive studs of this year's draft, certainly in the front seven, will be on Monday. Uh, Warren Sapp, will be part of that coverage live on NFL Network on Monday, after which I will then get down on the turf and run the 40-yard dash again. Last year, I did it in Prada. Uh, 6.18 seconds, I ran it. Let's see if I can break my personal best this year. I run it on Monday. It's embargoed for use, as they say in the television and media business, until Tuesday. Part of our coverage of our final day at the 2012 NFL Scouting Combine, Deion Sanders will be there for the defensive backs group, and I present it to him. I present it to Dion every single year, and I can only hope two things. One, I have a personal best, and two, I emerge in one piece. That's all I'm asking for. That's going to be on Tuesday's Scouting Combine coverage. And uh, I figured uh, we'll do one podcast uh, right now uh, to get you set, uh, sort of a primer on what to look for, who to look for, um, uh, on on the on the combine coverage, and uh, that's uh, that's what this podcast is all about. We'll have one later in the week. Thomas Dimitrov, the Atlanta Falcons general manager, will join us to try and run down for all of you what uh, a talent evaluator and also one of the influencers, one of the deciders, one of the employers of the league, what they're doing uh, to get ready and how they view the scouting combine and what they will do with the information they get from that combine. Figured uh, Thomas will will do what he did last year, which is get you set for the Combine in terms of what somebody who is, uh, is going to make a big-time draft decision based off this information is thinking and how they prepare for the draft. It's also Oscar week. Once again, Oscar Sunday com- coincides with Combine Sunday. And uh, there's a fantastic uh, documentary nominated for an Oscar this year called Undefeated. It's about... A uh, high school coach in North Memphis in a, uh, an area that is, um, uh, that has been hit hard by the tough economic times, to say the least. Uh, an inner-city high school that has not done anything in terms of winning games over its 100-year history. This coach helped turn the program around. Um, a white guy. Let's be honest, a white guy uh, with African- American players um, come from a different social background socioeconomic status background and what brings them together and what helps each other become better men is football. the sport of football Coach Bill Courtney of um, of uh, the North Memphis Manass- M- the
2: Manassas Tigers the
0: Manassas Tigers.
2: Great flick. It's Definitely. Chris Law, Amazing. my
0: podcast uh audio producer. Chris Brockman, you've seen it too, right?
2: I did. I went this weekend Undefeated. and it was uh got a little dusty in my chair. I was uh it was pretty emotional. It was powerful stuff. It's incredible.
0: It's incredible. And it's more about, you know, it's 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 a life movie. You know, not right. to sound that's what they always say about these sports movies that we're it's not about sports, it's about life, but it, it it's the truth. Uh Bill is gonna join us, that's again later in the week, and then Jim Moore Senior. Sort of like, a, this is a tradition unlike any other. Thomas Dimitrov joins us to tell us what to expect from the talent evaluator's point of view. And uh, Jim Moore Sr. joins us to give us his Oscar picks. Really looking he, forward to those. He was four for six last year. But I think I'm going to give him an extra one. It's, other than just the two supporting, two actors, director and best movie. Those are kind of the easy ones. We're going to go, um, oh, what should I give him? I, I think I'm going to give him best costume design and see if he nails costume that design. one. Nice. <laughs> We'll do sound, that.
2: No, no sound mixing for our sound man there?
0: No, No, I'll Just we'll just go one extra one. We'll go one extra one um, as we get set for our Oscar party on Sunday night at the Combine. And uh, we'll talk about all that in a moment. But let's get to Charles Davis right now, my compadre, from the Combine coverage on NFL Network, talking about the 2012 program. Just to give you a full testament as to how good of a man... Our guest is, I'm going to spend at least 40 hours with him in meetings and on the air. And I can't wait to chat with him and spend a little extra time with him before it all starts. Charles Davis joining me here on the Rich Eisen podcast. How are you, Charles? I'm doing great, Rich. But it, it is a lot of
1: hours, isn't it? And it is. for you to spend a little extra time with me, I appreciate that. No, it
0: just shows how good of a guy you are, how genial you are, <laughs> how easy it is to be around you, to talk with you, to broadcast with you. You uh, you really are. You. And one of the neat things, too, is, is Charles, if I may toot your horn a little bit, is you know so much about all of these kids, not just their on-field ability, their backstories, and and what makes a lot of these young men tick because that's almost as important as we all know based on 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 history and what you hear from the talent evaluators like Thomas Dimitrov who we just spoke with mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know it's just as important what makes these guys tick them what they can do out on the field and and you you nail that better than than anyone else that I've I've worked with Charles
1: well thank you I appreciate that and I know that's really important to to all the NFL teams and It's interesting you brought up Thomas Dimitrov from the Falcons because you know as well as I do, Rich, you're tied in with anyone. The one team that we hear constantly come up who puts those dots next to guys that they will not draft, you know, that takes them off Mm -hmm. their board. We've heard how many times, Rich. Right? The Falcons may lead the league in that about being careful about character, and and if they have any questions at all, they'll take guys off the board. So well, they stayed- it's important to all. It's important to all of them, but but the Falcons are, are one of the leaders in that.
0: Yeah. Well, can you blame them? I mean, uh, they, no. they they sort of were perhaps the most famously burned team on a character yes. issue, um, financially, and uh, as we all know, obviously uh, uh, with the franchise as well. Um, not to go into that uh, pass, right. but that's what this is all about is is red flag and kids and things of that nature. Let's talk about the good first. Um, would you agree the, the number one story about this combine is RG3 and and who he is, what he is, how big he is, how fast he is, and whether he might be uh, the apple of the Colts' eye when it's all said and done instead of Andrew Luck? Yeah, I agree with you, Rich. He
1: is the story as we head into Indianapolis, and for all the reasons you just articulated, because now the wow factor is somewhat over. You know, we've done the wow factor with him. We've seen all the highlights. We, we, we watched the, the Alamo Bowl and seen, seen where people are still scoring, probably as we speak right now. So all of that is there. All of that is out there. All the things that you, put, that you just talked about, Rich, that's what we're delving into now. What does the tape measure tell us? Because now we're hearing just how tall is Robert Griffin III. The next thing is when he steps on the scale. Is he big enough and thick enough to handle the pounding that he'll have to take in the NFL as a quarterback? You know, how, we know that he's smart. The guy graduated in three years, but he's run that spread style offense. How does that translate in him going to the board and drawing things up for coaches and GMs when they ask him about offense? So all the things you talked about, we're going to learn a lot more about that this week. But there, to, to me, there's no doubt he's the top story and the most exciting player in this draft because we know everyone's jockeying to try and get him if the Colts decide
0: not to take him at number one. Well, RG3 even said to the Associated Press this week that he's looking forward to wowing the scouts and yeah. the coaches and the GMs in the meeting room. That I, I think he already knows. We already know from his history of being a, a superior track athlete, he's going to jump out of the building, right? I mean, he's going right. to jump out of the building um when he gets out there on Sunday. But um, uh, the, the question is, is what is his acumen on the grease board when he's in the meeting room? And he says he's going to crush that too.
1: Yeah, and I don't doubt that one bit, Rich. This is a kid who graduated college in three years. If he decided to go back to Baylor this year, they were discussing, and I remember having this conversation before a game of his that I did this year where they played at Texas A&M, had a conversation with Art Briles and with people at Baylor where they told me that the discussion was if he decided to come back to school, that he would be petitioning to start law school classes this year, not just your regular graduate mm-hmm. school classes. They, so so the idea that, that we're wondering about you know, just how smart he is, you and I both know the answer to that. I think a lot of people involved in the NFL do. All we're talking about and all people are wondering about is – how will he translate what he learned offensively in football from Art Briles and his spread system to can that translate to what goes up on the board with NFL teams? Because most teams will give you a small packet of plays and say, hey, we're going to come back in you know, two hours, and in four hours, tomorrow, whatever, and go over them again. How much does he pick that up and translate it? I think he'll blow people away on the board, too. I, I don't think there's any ceiling on what Robert Griffin III can do
0: with his mind or his body. So where's the nitpicking kind of come from? The fact that he played at Baylor, may not have had the competition, blah, blah, blah. I mean, where, as you know, the, everybody's always turning yeah. stones over to try and find something that might uh, mm-hmm. that knock, knock him down a peg. I mean, where, where's the nitpicking going to come from him? Because obviously, like I said, he's, he's a stupendous athlete. We had Chris right. Fowler on in January. He called in from, from the Australian Open, talked about yeah. how, how RG3 might excel more than anything at throwing the deep ball, that he's yeah. that good at throwing it deep as well. So where's the nitpicking going to come from with him?
1: It's, it's something you mentioned a couple of questions ago, Rich, when you talked about everything that they're going to go into with Robert Griffin III. It's, to me, it's going to be tape measure, and it's going to be scale because people wondering just how tall he truly is you know if he, if, it, if that tape measure leans towards six two as opposed to leaning towards six one for a lot of people it makes a difference in their mind because there aren't that many six one quarterbacks having success in the nfl you have to start thinking to yourself okay drew Brees. you know that that's what you're talking about they want him to be taller obviously to see over the rush and everything else the second part is how compact how how thick is he to take that pounding you have to take in the nfl if the tape, if the scale says 210 to 215 pounds, That'd be a little bit worrisome. And you remember we went through this a little bit with Sam Bradford. You remember that, Rich? Mm-hmm. When Sam Bradford was coming out, just how big and strong is Sam Bradford because he'd gone through the double, the, the two shoulder injuries? Right. And remember when he weighed in at 236 and looked appreciably bigger through the chest and shoulder area? It's almost like everyone went, okay, good. That's one thing I don't worry about anymore. So for Robert Griffin III, what he weighs in and what the tape measure says starts that process for him because I think everything else we pretty much have a lot of answers on other than, of course, as we said him going into the the meeting room and I have no doubt that he'll blow that away.
0: And so how would you answer the question about uh let's flip the script a little bit here instead of nitpicking the fact that Robert Griffin III at some point you know it I know it we all know it at some point between the Combine and the draft people are going to be talking about him having overtaken Andrew Luck and how the Colts are are going to be interested in RG3 instead of doing the Andrew Luck thing after all. You know it. We know it's going to oh, come. Yes. I even told this to Andrew Luck, by the way, Charles, at the Super Bowl. Yep. i an interview with him. People heard it on the podcast if they didn't see it on NFL <laughs> Network. I basically told him this is going to happen, Andrew. And I think he thought I was sort of you know being um, a little bit of an ass, to be honest. It didn't, it didn't come across very well, but you know it and I know it too. At what point do you think uh, that discussion is going to take place in the evaluation process. I think it'll take
1: place, Rich, between the combine and when they actually throw on their pro days. I think that's when it'll really heat up because at the combine, you nailed it. You, Robert Griffin III, unless, unless it's an unbelievable upset, is going to run and jump and, and perform extremely well at the combine. I mean, you talk about an athlete. Andrew Luck is a terrific athlete in his own right. But he's not Robert Griffin III in, uh, in terms of athletic ability. But uh, Andrew, Andrew Luck will shock people that he's a, by showing he's a much better athlete than what people think. Once that happens, before they have their pro days, and you know it because you called it and you're so right. We have so much time between then and the draft. We have to come up with different angles. We have to start talking <laughs> yeah. about different things. Right. We try and do it and, and change the argument but he'll give us a reason to have that discussion because of what he's done. And, and when you talk about throwing the deep ball, he does throw the best deep ball, I think, out of any quarterback in this draft in Robert Griffin III. So that's when it'll heat up. And I did notice this. Robert Griffin III, from what I just saw, has changed his pro deck.
0: Yes, he did. He they were changed both, it they to one both, day before. Yeah, they were both and, on and, the 22nd. And, and, yeah. They were both on and March he changed 22nd. It. Yeah.
1: And he actually said a few things to go along with it that I don't think he sees as being boastful. But to me, it's going to be bullet, bulletin board material for the Andrew Luck camp in a sense if they're playing that game where he said, hey, I want to be first on everything. I want to be the first pick. I, I'm going to have my pro day first. I want to be the first one to take a team to the playoffs. I want to be the first to do this. It's competition. I'm not seeding that number one spot for anything. So, as they say, it's on, and, and, it, and it should be a whole lot of fun to watch it. But, yeah. but your timing is right on target. Yeah, Rich.
0: Luck and RG3, a Baylor, uh, I mean, Stanford and Baylor had the same. Pro days March 22nd, and Baylor's now the 21st. That's, but that's okay. sort of like the, the question in um, uh, college football overtime. Uh, do you want, <laughs> when do you want the ball? Do you want to do you want to know right. what you got it? Do you know what you have to beat, or do you want to set the bar at a certain level and hope that somebody doesn't actually leap over? You know. We'll, we'll... Yeah, and,
1: and and Robert Griffin III is actually going against that overtime rule, isn't he, Rich? Yeah. Because in the overtime rule, you want the ball second they in do. college football. You want to know whether you're matching or beating. In this sense, by moving it to a day in front, Robert Griffin III is going. Let, let's take it to another place. Go to golf. He's going to go post a number, isn't
0: he? He's going to be in the clubhouse. He's going yes.
1: to be in the clubhouse and say, okay, let's see, let's see what you do with that. All I know is that the whole entire NFL is so excited that that date changed because now you can be at one and you can be at the other. There's none of this, okay, I'm going to, to Robert Griffin, you're going to Andrew Lux. Mm-hmm. All, and you know, Rich, these scouts and GMs and coaches, what do they trust more than anything? Their own eyes, their own gut, being there in person, that's what they trust. Even though they'll take the reports from everyone else, if they're interested, they want to see these guys that themselves, see them on the hoof. Now they can do both. Everyone's very excited. Now,
0: obviously, as you know, we're, we're, we like the bright, shiny object in the media, so Luck and RG3 are obviously that. Who is the Andy Dalton in this uh, group, do you think? Who is the kid who might be the top of the second round or the bottom of the first who's going to have a stellar rookie season and maybe be a cornerstone for a franchise at the quarterback position moving forward.
1: You got a few candidates for it because we'll have to see how many guys get pushed into the first round as we saw last year. Where Jake Locker, by talent, we knew was a first-rounder, we were worried about his accuracy. Andy Dalton, as you mentioned, was a second-rounder, but everyone thought he might be the sleeper, although I'm not sure we anticipated being as good as he was. I mean, that's another one of those deals where it's like, well, we thought, but we didn't really believe. Well, we saw that happen. This year, I'm looking at a few guys. Could, could Nick Foles from Arizona be that guy that, that goes in the second round and becomes that type of a pro? Could it be Brandon Whedon? who's trying to compete to be the third quarterback, along with Ryan Tannehill from Texas A&M. What about the big six-foot, eight-inch former basketball player, which we will say ad nauseum between now and the draft, Brock Osweiler from, from Arizona State? six-eight. so everybody immediately thinks Dan McGuire. But trust me, his feet aren't anywhere close to Dan McGuire's. These feet actually move and work all right this is the basketball comes into play very well for Brock Osweiler so those are some of the guys that we're talking about that 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 possibly could be the second round and be those guys you know a Kirk Cousins from Michigan State I don't see him as a second round guy but I see him as a guy who who has all the smarts all the moxie to come in and maybe do a little bit better than you might expect right out right out of the gate
0: yeah Mayock has uh Tannehill Whedon and Cousins uh, at three, four, five, heading into the combine right now for his top five quarterbacks on the board. Trent Richardson, is he a top five pick? Would you take him that high? Talent-wise, yeah. ta- ta- talent without a doubt, I would take him. But the
1: way we play football in the NFL now gives you pause about taking a running back that high. Right. Because unless you're going to take him and feed the beast, Rich, and say we're going to be a team that he's going to touch it 20 to 25 times a game, I'm not sure you're, you, you've served your, your team best by that pick. And I know that sounds counterintuitive because he's such a great football player. But if you're going to rotate guys, he's only going to touch it 10 to 15 times. You might want a guy who's going to be involved in more plays than that. But talent-wise, oh, no question. I mean, Mark Ingram won the Heisman there. Trent Richardson didn't. I think Trent Richardson's a better football player than Mark Ingram.
0: So, wow. Where where do you think he goes? Does he go top 10? I mean, because, again, as you said, in the NFL – uh, I mean, take a look, uh, Michael Turner, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we can we can keep on going on um, in that vein. Yeah, Even MJD, MJD, second round right. choice, uh, Arian uh, Foster, undrafted, Ray Rice. You know what I mean? Like these are the guys. Yep. The, the, you're not top ten guys. I mean, the only guys that you could think of off the top. You had Adrian Peterson, right? But then, yeah. I guess you could say this about anybody: one bad hit, and and they're and they're out. Right. Um, but I mean, you take a look at like, say, for instance, uh, Ryan Matthews, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you trade up to get him in the teens, uh, but you let Turner go, you let Sproles go, LT uh, obviously is no longer there. You know, so
1: Mike Tolbert might be your better bat, right? So, so it's just, it,
0: <laughs> does this this has got to factor into some thinking as totally. you take a look at this group, right? T-
1: totally does because you can see spots where. He would be a viable option. I mean, let's just say everyone holds their position, which we all know probably won't happen. But for the sake of the draft right now, Cleveland's at four. That would be viable because you don't know what they're going to do with Peyton Hillis. Montreal Hardesty was drafted. And he's been dinged since he's been there. You get a chance to upgrade with Trent Richardson. That would make sense to me. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at five. Do you have Lagarrette Blunt? But does that mean that you wouldn't take a Trent Richardson? Of course you would. He would be an upgrade at that position to me. So that's at four and five right there. That makes perfect sense to me. I know the Miami Dolphins sitting there at nine would say, well, hold on a second. You know, my God, we had, uh, you know, uh, Reggie Bush go for 1,000 yards last year and we drafted Daniel Thomas. But I come, still come back to the same argument. Is he better than what you have already? And Reggie Bush at 1,000 yards is a running back. Is that really how you want to feature him? Going forward, I'm not sure if they do or if they don't. All I'm saying is that Trent Richardson to me represents an upgrade to just about any running game. Not all of them in the NFL, but just about any. So everyone's got to sit there and think about it. But the way we play offense in the NFL now, to me, pushes him probably to the teens Mm -hmm. before anyone picks him up.
0: And of course, we're going to have that discussion on Sunday as well when the running backs get out there. And another one we're going to have with the uh, the wide receiver is Justin Blackman. What to make of this young man? Do you, if you are the Rams, hold on your pick and take him and give a major big time toy um to Bradford. And maybe it's a Bradford Blackman connection that takes the Rams to new heights uh for Jeff Fisher. Or do you trade this pick and 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 have somebody go and get RG three at that spot? And get a whole bunch of other draft picks for that, and just hope that Blackman's available or somebody of that mm-hmm. stature is available. Is is this kid a Calvin Johnson type talent that the Rams can just not refuse and and tell everybody uh, we appreciate your 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 <laughs> offers for number two overall, but we're taking this kid. Is that is that uh, is that a possibility here, Charles? It's a
1: possibility, but Rich, I think it's more likely that the phone rings and rings and rings, and they keep answering it and listening to different things and, and pulling the the Billy Bean and Moneyball saying, you got two minutes, I got someone else on the line who's got a great (laughs) offer for me, tell me what you got. I'll give you 30 seconds to call me back. I think that's what is more likely for the Rams because, as you noted, they have many other holes to plug, too. Justin Blackman's a terrific talent, and and I absolutely love him. I actually got to talk to him in Indianapolis during the Super Bowl. And just in a 20-minute conversation, both on and off air, Right away, I said, okay, and I told him this. I said, you know, you're going to get that Des Bryant thing until you're sick of it because you both played Oklahoma State, because you're both terrific wide receivers, but you just have to be you. Just be yourself, and he is not what you would anticipate because you and I both know receivers are a different breed, and they have to be by what they do. You know, they rely on themselves out there on the island a lot. This kid is a pretty neat kid, and my background check on him, my little cursory background check tells me that he's nothing like Dez in terms of personality. Production, without a doubt, but not personality. His biggest thing, what's he going to run, Rich? Uh-huh. we got to find out what he runs at 40. And if he ends up running a, a 4, 5 or better in the 40, then forget it. He doesn't, he doesn't go past whatever. Because I think here's what's going to happen. St. Louis is open for business at 2, as you noted. If they trade that away, they can trade it. Let's say they trade with Cleveland at 4. Right. They can trade away and still get Justin Blackman at 4. And still get what they want, plus the additional package. I think seven at Jacksonville is the absolute latest he lasts, unless he runs a four seven forty. Yeah, I you know we always and I don't put see too, that
0: too much gets put into that forty because you know I it, mean it really does.
1: The kid's productive, and and I will say this, Rich. Yeah. I don't think he's Calvin Johnson. Okay. I don't okay. think he's Megatron. He looks like it. He produces like it on the college level. He definitely appears to be. I think he's more Hakeem Nicks. That's not so bad. No, good lord, I mean, that is not so bad. I like I like the Hakeem Nicks comparison better than the than the than the Calvin Johnson. Uh, whoever and takes last Justin, time
0: we saw him is pretty good. Whoever takes Justin Blackman, if he turns into Hakeem Nix, they're they're yes. loving life. Are you kidding me? Life is great. But you you make a good point though. Is that a top five wide receiver doesn't have to be you know you don't have to be a top five wide receiver to be productive? Let's just throw some right. other names out there. To Brandon Marshall, right, third round choice. Yeah. You take a look throughout. Uh, The entire uh, NFL, Uh, there's tons of guys who go. Marcus Colston is the the personification of what you can get uh, right before Mr. Irrelevant at that position. Uh, Give me some guys out there who you think uh, aren't at the top of people's lists or even just might be at the middle of the list who could perform well in the National Football League that we'll see on Sunday.
1: Doesn't matter about position, Rich. Or are we talking about just any any position? Any no, guys I, that I, I see for the receiver. You I, meant,
0: I, I meant wide receiver, yeah.
1: Oh, you, well, you know, when, when, I start, when I start looking at it and anticipating it, there are going to be a couple of guys, and one guy is going to come into this draft, and I think people view him as a disappointment, but if he can get himself together and get healthy, I think he could be one of those guys that turns into a heck of a football player down the road. And it's a guy that I came away shaking my head at a little bit from the senior ball, and that's Jeff Fuller from Texas A&M. Because I can hear it now, everybody's going, Jeff Fuller, oh my God, he dropped everything his last year, he was dinged up, he was this, he was that. I still remember him, I can't get that image out of my head, Rich, of him as a junior playing in the Cotton Bowl against Patrick Peterson, who went to the Pro Bowl last year as a kick returner in a first-round corner for the Arizona Cardinals. No fear, ran him down, made big catches against him, bodied him up. Great bloodlines, the son of a former San Francisco 49er safety, Jeff Fuller Sr., who who was playing very well for them before he had a horrific injury and ended mm-hmm. up having to retire from football. He's the kind of guy that I think that can develop as we go along if he can get his confidence back. Because right now I think he's got a little bit of a confidence ding. But you put all that together, he becomes a player to me because, frankly, Rich, going into this season, he was a guy I thought we'd be talking about in the first and second round.
0: Well, uh, you know, uh, you're, you, uh, th- those are the guys that I love keeping an eye on. Some like Jordy Nelson. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Uh, he 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 uh, set records at Kansas State, played in the Senior Bowl. Not many people were talking about him at the Combine. People are talking about him now. I'll tell you that. And here's a, here's, here's another kid that I'm looking forward to seeing at the next level. And it and it it pains me to say this as a Michigan Wolverine. Uh, Charles, Uh, Michael Floyd of Notre Dame he was a man among boys so many times out on that field certainly Mm -hmm. I I know against Michigan he killed the Wolverines and if the Fighting Irish didn't keep shooting themselves in the foot the last couple seasons Michigan might not have been winning uh, those games uh, because of how well Michael Floyd played and there was one game where he got hurt and I was breathing a sigh of relief that he wasn't on the field he was something special how special do you think he can be?
1: I think that most people will have him as either their second or third receiver. I think Justin Blackman stands alone as the top receiver. Right. Many people will have Michael Floyd there. Okay? Some, people, some people will throw some other guys in there, whether it's a Reuben Randall out of LSU. Right. Some people talk about Alshon Jeffrey, although that seems to have cooled in recent weeks. Alshon Jeffrey from, from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. But as we watch these guys come through and go through their tests and go through everything, Michael Floyd, as you said, is a flat-out man. When you see him in uniform... He's and big. you see him in that, sing, in that single digit number? He's big. He looks that number makes him look even bigger, doesn't it? Yeah. If, if, if there is such a, if such a thing to be said. And I like him in so many different ways. He'll have to go through the off the field character discussion because of the, the incidents he had at Notre Dame mm. are all those things truly behind him. If he presents well and projects well and everything checks out, he could be another guy that could be in the first round. And you know you hear also, so many people talk about a Midwest kid. At Notre Dame, the Bears desperately need a receiver. Could he be that guy? You know how we always like to make those little, hey, that works perfectly there. We know it's not a perfect world. But to me, he's a guy that's got a first-round grade on him, and I expect him to go in the first round.
0: Now, as you know, uh, tight ends have been game changers in recent years. Uh, That said, though, uh, the New York Giants just won a Super Bowl, basically with no healthy tight ends. (laughs) It was sort of like the spinal tap drummer position for them in the Super Bowl. (laughs) One after another kept going down. Uh, Green Bay, the year before, they did have J- Jermichael Finley, but he got hurt. They, they had a ragtag bunch at that position as well. But we have seen how special that position has become in the NFL. Uh, are, are there any kids uh, that we're going to see at the Combine uh, on day one on that Saturday uh, that, that, that have the ability to be that type of player in the NFL?
1: I think we're going to have a discussion about Kobe Fleener, the tight end from Stanford who really was the key to the passing game for Andrew Luck, who really didn't operate with wide receivers in the sense that most quarterbacks do in the college level. It was much more of a tight-end oriented uh, passing game for them, but used kind of the way we're seeing a Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez for, for for New England were their primary guys. So he'll be a guy that'll be in that discussion. Orson Charles from University of Georgia will be in that discussion. Dwayne Allen from Clemson will be in that discussion. More and more now, we're getting that, you know, is he an inline tight end? Is it a receiving tight end? We're almost taking the inline tight ends and moving them out of the discussion because of the way the football is thrown in the NFL. The, the receiving tight end, who can do enough to get in your way when you have to run the football, has come to the front where the inline guy has gone to the back. You know, and to me, kind of the line of demarcation was a couple of years ago when Brandon Pettigrew was drafted by the Detroit Lions, who was the combo guy. Remember him, Rich? Yeah. What did he run? Did he do this? But he's a dominating blocker as well as a good receiver. We're not seeing that nearly as much. Gronkowski looks the part from New England because he's a big old strong guy. But when you're catching 17 touchdowns or whatever I'm that number you, was man. this year, you're, you're receiving. You're receiving tight end way more than you are an inline blocker.
0: And he's a perfect example of how the evaluation process works uh, and 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 the pitfalls of it. And mm-hmm. the medical took him off of so many boards, right? right? And it exactly. didn't take him off the Patriots board. Made him a second rounder. Made him a second rounder, but Patriots got him. Uh, but so many teams took him off their boards because of the medical. And the question is, how much do you put into the medical? How much do you put into the interview process? How much do you put in that 40-time? How much do you put in... The character right. issues of the high character type guys, you know what I mean. So it's, Gronka, it's such an
1: inexact science. It right?
0: sure is, man. Uh, these defense, uh, the um, uh, let, let, I guess quickly let's hit the offensive line. Okay. Um, who, who do you who do you think we should be looking for uh, on the Saturday of the combine? Uh, some of these offensive linemen and um, and how they'll fit into teams that 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 have a need for them.
1: Well, as always, the glamour spot is the left tackle. Talk about Matt Khalil from USC, Riley Reeve from from iowa um jonathan martin from stanford uh michael adams from ohio state those are probably be the first four names you'll hear wouldn't shock me at all if all four end up going in the first round because you have to protect your quarterback um, if you look at interior line, a David DeCastro at guard from Stanford is going to be a name that figures prominently in there. A Kevin Zeitler from Wisconsin at guard. A- a- at center, Peter Cons, David Zeitler's a teammate at Wisconsin. I mean, it's gotten to the point now where we always talk about which school's wide receiver are you, what school's linebacker are you. Well, Wisconsin's offensive line you. Yeah. I mean, you just you just look across the board and Wisconsin kids. doesn't matter whether you pick them the first round or seventh round. You remember last year we were sitting up there on, on day three, I believe, with Brett Bielema, yeah. the head coach at Wisconsin, yep. and and Bill Nagy gets picked in the seventh round by the Dallas Cowboys, and frankly, you know, outside of our our guy Mike Mayock's board, probably not many people had him on there, and he ends up playing. You well, know, as a when Nagy
0: got picked, and, and up, that's what they are. has said to us at the draft, he goes, "That kid can yep. play." He goes, "That yeah. kid can play," and 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 again, that's a again part of the evaluation process when you're when you're hearing college coaches, you, you, you know, how much are these college coaches talking their kids up or and how much are they you know knowledgeable about what's for the next level and you're right he did say that right on the spot in the seventh round told us Um, he told
1: us right there that day that the kid could play and and the kid went out and justified it and it doesn't matter what round you pick a wisconsin offensive lineman he's going to be hard for you not to want to play right tight end too
0: they've got some tight ends that have come out they
1: got him out there travis beckham in the super bowl this year with the giants
0: yeah well he was healthy that was unbelievable yeah um, yeah, too bad. How good are these Alabama defenders that are all over everybody's top <laughs> five lists and that we're going to see them? We're going to talk a lot about Alabama football uh, come, come Monday and Tuesday. A lot of LSU as well. But yes. h- how good are these SEC kids, starting with the Alabama kids, we're going to be seeing in the defense?
1: I think they're terrific, and it's not just because of the athletic ability, Rich. Remember, they're schooled by Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, the defensive coordinator. They're schooled pro-style. In other words, their reads, how they fit against the run. You know, we use that all the time. Run fits. What's a run fit? means you have to be in a certain gap as defined by your defense at the point of attack to make sure the play doesn't go bigger than what it's supposed to. So people say, what's a run fit? This guy's here, this guy's here, this guy's here, exactly as it's drawn up. That's how Alabama does it. If you watch their guys on tape, everything's so fundamentally sound, it's almost ridiculous. If you're supposed to be on the outside arm and outside leverage, that kid is right there. If he's supposed to take inside, he takes inside. You don't see them deviate from what they're supposed to do, except when they know by deviating, they're going to make a bigger play. You know what they say about a football player, Rich? Those who do everything exactly as you ask them to do? are almost as, as bad as those that did never do everything that you asked them to do. Right. All right? You got to know when to break the rules. And these Alabama kids know when to break the rules. Whether it's Drake Kirkpatrick Patrick at Corner, whether it's 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 Upshaw, yeah, the Up linebacker, Shaw's really right? good man. Mark
0: safety. Right? I mean, he's he's clearly the best safety and maybe one of clearly the only the kids one. who who actually fits the role, right? Coming out yeah, of it, the collegiate ranks. It, he's a guy that
1: you know, it's way too early, but I'll go ahead and do it because that's what we do. Is you yeah. and I have talked about, we're going to do it anyway. Right? He fit. He, 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 he Dallas Cowboys at fourteen need so much help on the back end. He might be a guy at fourteen because normally we're not looking at safeties that high because you, you know you're taking a chance on safeties. Remember what was it, a couple of years ago? It was Earl Thomas from Texas. Right. Taylor Mays from USC. Remember that? And, and, Where do you and go then, with that and then, one?
0: And then Seattle. Pete Carroll. Seattle took Thomas. Well, as you know, and everybody that- and
1: everybody went, "Whoa, he didn't take his college kid,
0: right?" Remember that one? He didn't. T- well, Pete Pete
1: knew what he wanted out of his safety. Taylor now has has had his struggles along the way, even though he tested. Out the remember his test at the combine no, was, off, off the charts well, out for, of the roof, but for, but as a player it wasn't right. the same.
0: Well, for a while we thought he was the fastest guy uh, and okay. he's faster than Chris <laughs> That's right. We had a timing malfunction. Yes, we did. <laughs> That's right. We yeah. for about two hours we thought he was faster than Chris Johnson. And then <laughs> That's we, right. You know, hopefully we won't have another moment like that. But so so we these Al- that. these Alabama kids are legit. You're essentially saying they're
1: legit. do I didn't even mention Dante Hightower, the inside linebacker, who will mm-hmm. probably be. Later part of the first round, definitely top of the second round. The thing about an Alabama kid, what you're going to get is you're going to get a kid who's ready to play right away. They're just not going to intimidate them coming out of the SEC. They've been coached harder than than a lot of people get coached because of the way Nick Saban gets after his kids, but they've been coached smart too. It's not just, okay, I've got these great athletes, find the football, go get them. They get there because they know where they're supposed to be in a certain defense looking out for each other. The old example of do your job, and then you trust the next guy will do his, that's an Alabama football player, mm. and, and that's what they're going to get. So
0: who's going to light it up on the defensive uh, drills? Who, who do you think oh. is going to be uh, a guy that we just – because every year, I'll tell you what, uh, this, is the <laughs> f- this, is the, this is the fifth year that uh, you've, you've been part of NFL Network's combine mm-hmm. coverage. This is year eight um, for me. And without a doubt, when the defenders get out there on Monday – uh, the defensive backs are a different story, as far as I'm concerned. Right. But when the defensive ends, and then those those guys who also can play, you know, the the uh, the four three, these guys can play linebacker. They can do all of this stuff. Those guys get bigger and faster every year. It is a noticeable difference. How 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 freakier it is yeah. with each passing year. Who's going to be that guy this year? Do you think?
1: Quentin Copels, North Carolina defensive end. I mean, when you look at him, you're going to say Julius Peppers. Because as soon as you know he's from North Carolina and we all do the same thing, Rich, Mm -hmm. we we, you know, scouts walk into to their, their home office and they say, Hey, I like this kid, the first question they ask him is, Well, who does he remind you of? Well, when you see Copels and you see him on the hoof. You're going to think Julius Peppers. Think you're just going to, yeah. you know. And, right. and you see, I, I, I had to get one of those in early. Get ourselves. Yeah, I know. We got to get ready all. for the for, the, for <laughs> the phraseology. I know. I haven't heard that in a while on oh, no the hook.
0: Yeah. When so
1: so when you when you see him, Rich, he's going to be something. I think he's going to test off the charts as a defensive end. He's going to he's going to run. He's going to jump. He's going to do everything that you're asking for and really really look the part. The issue for him is going to be his junior year was significantly better on tape than his senior right. year. Although I thought his senior bowl week was tremendous. I really thought it was good. From day one on, not a matter of him just flashing it during the game or certain drills, I thought he took coaching well. I thought he had a really good week, and then he carried it through and played the game and played it like he had practiced all week, and he was almost unblockable on Saturday in a lot of plays. Even when he got blocked, he had his hands in the passing lane and batted passes away. I think he's going to be one of those guys that absolutely lights it up. And his teammate, an inside linebacker, Dave Brown, wait till you see him run. Would you absolutely see him run. He holds, are you ready for this, Rich? The 60 meter dash record for the University of North Carolina. Hmm. Not the football team, the University of North Carolina, and he plays inside linebacker.
0: Interesting. I can't wait so, for that. So
1: many people will want to talk about him playing safety. We'll see how that turns well, that out. Le- I don't think so.
0: That leads me to this question then. Uh, just a couple questions left with you, Charles Davis. Who's going to be the fastest? Who's going to win that 40 this year?
2: Mm. You got oh, somebody? Boy.
0: You know, I know, I know. It's a tough one because I'll bet you uh, a couple of years ago, not many people would have said Jacoby Ford. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, there's,
1: there's going to be a dart that shows up. We almost had it a couple of years ago. Remember the outside linebacker from Nevada, Dante Moke? Yeah, yeah. Remember he ran like a four three nine? Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> we're like, whoa! Yeah, where did that
1: come I'm from? Telling you, so man, we'll, they get get those, we'll get those every darts year. that come out of here. They yeah, get, they they just fly. They
0: get faster and bigger every year. I mean, we're going to be talking when the defensive ends are out there. I. I I would put the over under on Jason Pierre Paul mentions it maybe five for just. That should be another one. Yeah, it'd
1: be another one. Copels will get.
0: You know, uh, you know, <laughs> JPP. Everyone's looking for that kid who who do backflips and stuff like that. But so, so you don't have a you don't have one guy that you could think of at the defensive uh, you back know, spot even. Who's going to be the the fastest guy? You know, I'm, I'm having trouble trying to put that down. A guy named Brandon Boykin. I would okay. have
1: suggested as a candidate from Georgia, okay. but he got hurt in a senior bowl, so I don't believe he's going to be running so for wide us, open. which is unfortunate. So I think it's wide open. I know, Mike, I know Mike Mack's got a couple guys that he's listed out there. What's interesting is you brought up Jacoby Ford. What was he, a
0: fourth-round pick, Rich? Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, he ran with the special teamers. On, yes, he on did. On Saturday. He did not even yes, run with Yes, he did not run receivers. with everyone else. You're exactly
1: right. Remember, it was him. Remember Trendon Holiday? Of course. Out of LSU? Yeah, absolutely. Who, who was about, you know, in the in the description of Rudy, five foot nothing, weight 100 and Nothing. nothing. Yeah, but he was the fastest guy out there. So it's always someone like that that comes out of, out of almost nowhere that you look up and say, boy, where'd that come from? Uh, one guy I'm eager to see run, although I'm not sure if he's going to be the fastest guy there, but I want to see him run and move, and that's Joe the Jet Adams from Arkansas who led the nation in punt returns last year. Averaged about 16, 17 yards a return and had five touchdown returns in, in the kicking game. So I want to see him see, see what he does straight ahead because he does get up and go once he moves.
0: And lastly, um, you know, if you are asked that question the next couple days, the interest, the easy answer could be, I know who will definitely be the slowest. And <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be the slowest, though, Rich, because be, i I don't know about that because you're going to get one of those big old
1: linemen. I think you might be able to nip someone, Rich. And here's and here's what I'm telling everyone, and I'm yeah. going to call the shot right here on your podcast, okay? Yeah. yeah. Do you have your your personal best number? Uh, I'm well, what was your personal? Uh, best I ran the so four
0: as you you, you as uh, uh, the official. I guess you're the yes. official announcer or you're the official anchor of of my forty yard dash. And, and and I defy anyone to get in my way. No that one is will. I see and I'm holding it. It's basically I, I present the the uh, the forty to Dion Sanders every Tuesday yes. on our on our broadcast. I run it Monday after all the defenders are done. I run it Monday. Yes. Uh, uh, last year Mayock was in, became the official timer. It took him a few years <laughs> yes. to, to buy. Into this sort of stuff. You know, Mike he's, has he's in now. He's, he's he's hardcore, so it took a few years for Mike to buy into this. He's in. He's in. I finally in. converted him. I've I worked him over for years. He's um, in. And he and he only trusts his own watch. He I doesn't know, trust I, that electronic no stuff. Doubt, he wants his own watch. No doubt. And and you uh ever since the simul cam started getting into yes. these shenanigans, you are the official announcer, you get the list. I'm in. You get you 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 run it down the shot sheet, you get the paperwork, and you are the king of that. It's great. And Dion just sits there and laughs. Uh, that's the way we, that's the way we do it now. Uh, that said, that said, you think six, one, eight is my personal best. You think Vince, you, if will, I you best, will break that this year. I think so too. I feel good. I You will break six,
1: one, eight this year. I, feel I really saw you good. a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. at NFL network. And one of the things, if I'm not mistaken, that you take great pride in is that you show up every year and run this, yeah. but it's not like you're in between the other 360, 60 plus days. That you're training for, <laughs> quote unquote. Okay, yep. you're not. You're not. You're no. not. You're not in the blocks. You're not with a personal coach. You I know what Wham. I mean? You're not. You're not going to the Tom Shaw Speed Camp no or anything API like that. For me. No API No You show up right. as Rich Eisen. Yep to run the 40 every year you present and here i am and as you know i've i saw you i saw you two weeks ago you look in the best physical condition i've seen you since i've seen since since i've been nfl network Okay, thank you i'm predicting on your show right now i'm calling the shot rich you're breaking your personal best and i'm willing to tell everyone that i've been i've been feeling it for a while i'm calling it out now you're breaking your personal best in this one i cannot wait to be there To to be a part of it yet again, to document it, because this is something I told everyone, you know, this is no longer tongue in cheek, Rich. This is one of those things that helps make the combine because the combine. and what I mean by that, though, is there's so much attention on it. But everyone at home and, and, and we're all included because we got involved, too. We got involved in our jobs because we saw them and we thought we could do that as well as we see other people do them. That's just how, the, how it works. People at home sit at home and have Walter Mitty fantasies about playing. Yes. But, but, right? I mean, let's be honest. We all do. Otherwise, right? We all want to be invincible and be Vince Papali and show up for the, for the tryout right. and make someone's team. We all want to do that. You go out there and you, you fulfill the Walter Mitty for the rest of us. Yet at the same time, it also confirms for us that those guys we see at the combine, what they're doing, that's for real. That is for real. Because we're all out there doing this thing, and and, and you're, you're running to 40, and it's fun for all of us. But you also know it, that part is tongue-in-cheek. I'm running to 40 for you guys at home watching. I'm lucky enough to be in the same spot these other guys are. This is fun. But did you just see what we just saw for these last three or four days? Uh huh. Those are those are the legit guys. That's I for know. real. And, and that's I, why that's why I love that, that your 40 is a part of it because it satisfies telling us about both worlds.
0: Uh, you're, you're too kind. I just, you know, it's, it's just inane stupidity that I just hope doesn't yeah, but isn't result it fun? with me hurting myself. Isn't it fun? It is fun. It is fun. And last it's year, I remember – It's fun, and people
1: love it at home. People last love year, it. I, everywhere I go, they talk about it. I
0: appreciate it. that. Last year, I remember there was a, an offensive lineman who almost – Hit six seconds. I forget almost. Who, I forget who it was last year, but Warren. Sapp, and we had
1: him in simulcast too. <laughs> Sapp was sitting. At,
0: Sapp was sitting at home watching the O lineman because he's there for he's there for the D line. He comes out yes. on Mondays. I think he was still in Florida at home on Saturday watching it. He tweeted at me, "There's your pace car, Rich Eisen." <laughs> That's <laughs> your guy. And Sapp, <laughs> and Sapp because he's there on Monday. Sapp, if you remember, he was there last year too. He was on his belly right at the finish line, uh, shooting it with his iPhone. It was yes, It's getting bigger and sillier every year and, 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 um, and you're a crucial fun. part of it, and I, I, if I do get it's a personal a best, part of it, That's the next thing is the six-second barrier, and if I do that, I have a chance to get somebody at the combine. That is my yes, ultimate goal do. is to get one, just to get one, and then, of course, and, and not Rich, hurt myself and, in the process.
1: And let me say this if you break the 6 if you break the 6 barrier yeah. okay mm-hmm. we are not going to do it like banister did it when he broke the 4 minute deal where he went back and like taught his classes the next day or something yeah. okay we're going to celebrate this bad boy can you hear us right?
2: Canyon
0: and okay, Heroes, we, right up, right up to Steak we and Shake. We are celebrating it. We are <laughs>
2: celebrating. Hey,
1: hey, if we go to Steak and Shake, we'll see three quarters of the league there Another. that night. So <laughs> That's people were saying to me, "I'll tell
0: you, this is a funny thing." And we'll leave it at this: at the Super Bowl, because you know, Indy, as you saw, yes. it just lit up. It was incredible. Did a great job. The entire Midwest descended upon Indianapolis to celebrate the sport of football for the biggest weekend. It was incredible. And so many people came up to me and were saying, isn't this incredible? I mean, wh- what's it like for the combine? And I'm like, take a look out here now and look at all these people on the street. The combine, it's about 30 degrees colder. It might be <laughs> raining at the same time. Okay. That, an odd thing of it's less than 30 degrees and raining. I don't know how that usually happens it's, uh, meteorology-wise. But it's usually that there's five people on the street and Dick LeBeau is in the Steak and Shake by himself at 1230 in the morning. That's the scene for the combine. You know, that's the combine scene. Meanwhile, the Super Bowl, there was a line out the door at three in the morning at Steak and Shake. I'm like, this is not like that for the combine. So we're going to take fun, it down a notch, but still have fun coming up this weekend.
1: As far as I was concerned, in Indianapolis for the Super Bowl, which they did an unbelievable, it was unbelievable. job. I mean, absolutely magnificent. They They have to be part of the rotation from here on out. No doubt but the Steak and Shake lost its ambiance for me it, it with worked. that many people showing up. It almost felt like people were intruding on our place, yes. didn't it? no doubt. Because I was like, who are all you Johnny-come-latelys to go to the Steak and Shake? You're not here when we're here at the Combine nope. when you look up and half the NFL's coming through at 2.30 and 3 o'clock in the morning and everybody, and wow, look over there. Look who's sitting there in that booth. Wow, look who's over in that booth. That's, that's the
0: Combine. It is. They're gonna have to, they're gonna, steak and Shake's going to have to earn its Combine cred back this weekend <laughs> They're sold out on us rich and, sold out and can, the we, and can we get you can we get you to the nfl network oscar party sunday night it- Get, I will be at the I will be get, at the Oscar okay, party, good.
1: and I've seen a few of the, I've seen actually seen a few of them now. But who are we aiming for this year? Is Mooch still holding the title?
0: Mooch uh, lost. Matt Pomeroy, the uh, the chief yeah, uh, researcher, disputed. won it last year. Uh, I Mooch,
1: heard. In, I heard. I heard in the makeup room, though, Rich, that that's a disputed title with Pomeroy. No, Pomeroy won it. Words out.
0: He did win it. He did win it. And um, on top okay. of it, Mooch has won twice. And yes, um, he has. Mariucci called me. He Did called you hear me. About the trophy? He called me. He called me to find out past winners because he's making a Stanley Cup type trophy <laughs> or a claret jug type trophy that travels that the winner gets for a year, but then has to bring back to Indianapolis for our for our Oscar party. Well, whoever, whoever wins it. Mm-hmm. They have to do one thing, though. They've yeah. got
1: to treat it like the Stanley Cup and take it places That's, with them. And
0: take pictures with it. And take pictures <laughs> yeah. and
1: make sure that it goes through some stuff. And, you know, you, you're oh, drinking out it. of it here. And you he goes mountain climbing there and taking it to Mako Picchu. And if they don't do that, then they can't earn the trophy.
0: Fantastic. Charles, I look forward to seeing an Indian hanging with you the whole weekend long.
1: Can't wait. All, all the best, Rich. And, and, again, that personal best will happen Thank you. this year.
0: Thank you. Man just called me the Walter Mitty of the NFL scouting combine. I will take it. I will run with it. I will run very slowly with it, but I will take it and run with it. Uh, That's Charles Davis, part of the NFL Network crew that is going to be bringing you the 2012 NFL Scouting Combine with multiple days of exclusive coverage starting from Indianapolis on Friday and then Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Charles will join me, Mike Mayock, and a host of others. Irvin will be there for the wide receivers, Marshall Falk for the running backs, Warren Sapp. For the defenders, Kurt Warner will be there for the quarterbacks on Sunday. Jeff Saturday with the offensive lineman, fittingly, on a Saturday. Uh, He will be there as well, all leading up to the arrival of primetime himself, Deion Sanders, coming in for the defensive backs on Tuesday with the uh, Oscar party on Sunday night. It's all good. Charles Davis, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Rich. See you there. You bet. Charles Davis, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, Charles Davis. He's the best. He was, is. What, what are you paying him a month? He was hyping you up there. Yeah, I know. I think he got emotional about about that. About he's that. got your back. That, that I run for every man. He sits up there with, with Dion, man. and they
2: they commentate on your forty. Well, they what, they the do, what they do? What
0: they do is let's be honest here. I mean, uh, have I ever told you the the origin of this forty yard dash? I don't, I don't think I, I have no. Is I've been doing the drills on field drills for five years, but this is I think I mentioned eighth combine two thousand five. I'm just doing total access, and um, we're putting the show together, and it it was a real slow process. You know, it was it was the first time we'd been there, and everybody's still feeling out the situation, what it looks like. Right? I mean, this is where where the first year when we put a camera in the wait and reps room, and we're like, "Who is this crazy man named John Lott? Who is he?" <laughs> And then the next year we mic'd him up, and the rest is history. He's like a he's he's he got a God now, he, yeah. he is a, he's a combine staple. Right? Cardinal strength coach, right? Um, I think he was the Brown strength coach back then. Back
2: in, back in the day. at
0: any rate. So we're beginning to fill out the situation, and we're waiting for interviews to come up to a suite on the second, you know, on the mezzanine of the old RCA Dome. And I'm sitting there with Terrell Davis, who was with the network back then we're just bored out of our minds, staring out at the field. And I say to him, um, how fast do you think I can run the 40?
2: <laughs>
0: and his response was exactly that. He <laughs> laughed. He didn't give an answer. He just laughed. And I'm like, dude, you don't think I can run the 40 very fast? And he goes, looks at me, and he, you know, TD, he's so, he's so smooth. He just goes, no, I don't. <laughs> no. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do it. He sort of dared me to do it. I went down there. Um, because and, you used to run in loafers. Well, yeah, I right? I, I was dressed for the sh- for Total Access, right? You know, lace up shoe, dress shoes, and a suit and a tie, and um, I did it. And uh, the you know, the place was half dark, like the lights weren't on yet, or were were down because the field was completely empty. The
2: cameras aren't rolling. you just I didn't just... think
0: the cameras were rolling. I didn't think they were. Um And big game James, you know, James Lytle, who runs the Steady, who's the, one of the best SteadyCam operators in our business, right. he was there. He was on break. He just picked up the camera and started shooting it. I had no idea he was. Jen Love, our director, uh, now she's the queen of all directors around here, um, she f- fired up the cameras, and I had no idea in the truck they were rolling on it. <laughs> so I ran it. <laughs> I just ran it. And I go back upstairs. They're like, you know, they rolled on it. I'm like, get out of here. I had no idea. So they rolled on it. And next couple of days, we, we showed it to Joe Gibbs and Holmgren. Loved it. Now suddenly, it coaches are coming up to me and saying they saw it. They're laughing. Matt Millen came on, <laughs> busted my stones. Matt you know? Millen tried to sign you. To <laughs> Very nice. No, I wasn't a receiver. So, <laughs> um, ouch. At any rate, yes, that's the way it happened. And then year after year after year, I did it. And no one was really clamoring for it at all or mentioning or talking about it. Twitter helped it. The internet certainly getting bigger and bigger and bigger helped it. But what took it to another level was the simulcam that instead of me just running the 40 every year, now it was something different. They're overlaying can't, you know, BJ, the fastest BJ guy on me <laughs> and, and, and the funniest of you know, BJ Rogers, Mount yeah. Cody, you know, and it's, it's sort of like slapstick hilarious where the fastest guys immediately exit the screen and I'm still getting Gosh out of my rocking. break. You know, it's,
2: I love it when they give you the, uh, the six yard head start head on that. Start and I mean, there's all
0: those different new yeah, things that yeah, have come yeah. from it. And so Charles Davis when they started simul camming all this stuff and making different elements to it, other than just me running, they put it—you know—the different shots on a card for Charles. And Charles, that day, first year they did it, became I guess the play-by-play man right. of this thing. And you know the rest is sort of—it's crazy. Like it's 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 freaking nuts. There's like a guy, somebody in Poland, posted it on YouTube. And it got them a million hits, and you could see there's like a a map of the globe associated with each video that's internationally downloaded, I guess, and to show where it's the most viewed on the uh, on the guess, map, yeah, yeah. and you, you you tell where it's most viewed. The uh, the 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 countries where it's the most viewed is like a dark Kelly green. And then, with less downloads, it's a lighter shade of green until it's white. If there are like hardly a any downloads, 10 radar. Radar. right? Exactly. <laughs> so you take a look at this video. North America is dark green, and then there's a small speck of dark green in the middle of white Europe, which is Poland. <laughs> Freaking Poland! People have come up to me and they have told me that there are lesson plans, like science teachers have used this video about running. You know inertia. Inertia, right? You know, I mean, it, it's it's wild. Some of the stories I've been told, That's and it's great. it's fun.
2: Well, they're, they're doing a, they're doing a contest this year, or we're well, not really a yeah, contest. I yeah, I don't a, know if they want to a call fan, it a, con- a right. fan submission thing. Uh, NFL Network, NFL.com, uh, through Twitter, actually. Uh, you've heard about this, I guess. Yeah. Um, so if you if you tweet the hashtag #RunRichRun with a video of you at work in your business attire, yeah, suit uniform outfit running a forty. Tweet us the video,
0: and I think we're running it on the Monday of a uh, combine coverage. Yeah, the Best it's of be great. people running in so, their suits at work, wow. and um, you know, and then I do it Monday uh, of combine because it needs to be edited and put right. together and present. I presented to Dion. That's the whole. I mean, Dion's the fastest man in, in the history of the combine. Many people say.
2: Where'd you get so, the idea for the bod pod?
0: That was last year uh, oh, was because good. of, of uh, Lady Gaga. Because this thing is always two weeks after the Grammys. She came out. She came out. Remember she came in on that egg? Yeah. So I'm like, what is an egg? You know, what's something that looks like an egg? So it's the bod pod, which we also had fun in a Combine a few years ago. Butch Davis, me, Jim Mora all got in the bod pod to get our body fat measured because that measures body body fat. It's sort of like a big Woody Allen sleeper type egg that you go in and you sit in there for like five minutes And it measures your body fat. So we did that. And um, I sort of defeated the purpose. I went in with a crossword puzzle and a case of White Castle. (laughs) (laughs) So it sort of threw the reading off a little bit. Uh, So that's the combine.
2: One question I have on the combine since you've been there for nine years. What do you think of it kind of like now it just seems like athletes are – it's like teaching kids to test into the exam. Well, it's
0: just like anybody, you know, I mean, just like any, it's a standardized test is really what it is. So you, there are ways to prepare for it and there's ways to ace it. But the bottom line is when you take it, you still have to perform. And that's, uh, as I mentioned to you, it's the only posse-free event in the NFL. Every other event at the NFL, the draft, Super Bowl, games, anything, even at the uh, rookie symposium, they do take you inside a hotel, but... Your agent can still be there, you know, and you could still get time. I mean, the bottom line is: is this is posse free, one hundred percent. Nobody's allowed in there. And the perfect example is Maurice Claret. When he was there, he tanked his two forties, or thought he did, and he uh, quit. We're sitting there watching it, and he undid his shoelaces and put on you put on a, a different color sweatshirt when you are not performing your drills. So everyone in the in the stands knows that you are not. Uh, taking part anymore in the drills, and um, so he did that. Now, if his agent was in the front row, calling him over, he, they would have told him, "You can't quit. You know what you're doing. Your draft, your your draft stock right now." But they don't. So it's just like anything else. You know, an SAT, I could I could get ready for the SAT or the LSAT or the PSAT or whatever. But it comes a time when uh, you're on the clock and you got to bust out your pencils and take the darn thing. Yeah. And you're left to your own devices, and that's what the neat thing is. And that's what we're going to hit with uh, Thomas Dimitrov in, a, in our second podcast of the week, the Atlanta Falcons.
2: Yeah, that'll be up Thursday on NFL.com okay? Along
0: with uh, Bill Courtney, the coach of the North Memphis Manassas Tigers. Uh, he's the featured, I guess, um uh, the star? A, a character, I yeah, guess, yeah. in the uh, documentary Undefeated, which is nominated for an Oscar. Which was amazing. If, if, you, liked, if you
2: liked Friday Night Lights ah, or you like The Blind Side, sa- like, you stuff. need to see this. It's, really, I mean, it's real life stuff. I kind
0: of likened it to Hoop Dreams kind of meets yeah. Friday Night yeah. Lights a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. No, it's a good good analogy. great. And then um, and then uh, Jim Mora uh, Sr. joins us to give us his Oscar picks, as he does every year. And you're going to the red carpet. Are you not Chris Brockman? That is a fact. Richard. You're going I to say, be on the Oscars red carpet. going to be
2: on the red carpet. I called my mom last night to tell her. Mm-hmm. She
0: loves the red carpet shows, E! whatever. You're producing and it. And I was like, make sure to keep an eye out for me. You should. You're producing it for the podcast. For the
2: podcast. For the TV version of
0: the podcast And next we'll week. also put the audio version of it on. We'll see. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll post know it. Um, it but.
2: We got a pretty great guest uh, booked to uh, to go out there and do our, interviews. Our go
0: correspondent. For the 2012 Oscars, the Rich Eisen podcast, Oscars correspondent is none other than... I think
2: maybe they should listen to the next one on Thursday to Uh, hear
0: that. What do you think? Oh, that's a tease. Chris Law wants to boost the downloads. Very good. That's it for this edition of the Rich Eisen podcast. Tune in later in the week.
2: Stay listening. friends.